minds with the chip inside I can link it digitized out Which prior to this was higher than science could ever devise This is a neural interface We're gonna stick it in your face Still it in your brain and interlace There's an arms war on and we're gonna win the race Leave everything a race, bring the base Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Now, this is a special edition of DMB Tonight, uh, sharing a recording of a talk at the previous DEF CON Biohacking Village. And we're sharing this as a recap of great information that was presented and as a reminder that the same team behind DCBHV We'll be putting together another edition of DEF CON Biohacking Village here in just a couple weeks. August 9th through 12th, 2018 in Las Vegas, Nevada at Caesars Palace and at the Flamingo this year. For more information, please go to villageb.io and for more information about DEF CON itself, go to defcon.org. We look forward to seeing you there. And the, great, and the great talks and panels and the expo floor. But before we share this great clips with you, we want to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. Now, if you or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us through email at info at DangerousMinds.io and we'll be glad to talk to you about it. So I'll get started now. So, hello, my name is Keone Gandel. This is my presentation on biohacking, which the realm of biohacking I'm more of going to delve into is DNA, DNA modification, DNA manipulation. Um, about me, 16 years old, high schooler. I've been working at a university lab for about two years, and I've been doing this for about four. Uh, so first on DNA design. We all know the central dogma of, or a lot of us do, of organisms. So we have DNA, which is our genetic code. Um, the next talk will go more into the basics of this. But basically, we have DNA, which is our genetic code, and then an abstraction layer above that, which is RNA. RNA then gets turned into protein, which is the final layer. Uh, so the DNA level decides what organism is going to be used. So you'll have a DNA level in anything, and then you'll also have an RNA level. This RNA level is how much something expressed, and then protein level, which is what something does. All right, so I'll stay a little on this. So let's say you want to make a biosensor, and this biosensor, for example, ha, let's say detects a small molecule, like arsenic inside of a water source. So what you would do is you would have the RNA level, the first and the last, which is promoter and terminator, would say when uh, that chemical is there. And then you'd have a protein level, which would then report if it's there. So when you're making one of these, what you really want to focus on is these three components. Promoter, gene, terminator. And what the gene does is, as you've, you guys have also heard, uh, genes just generally function. They do things. They do biochemical reactions. So, um, yeah. 
So DNA as functions. So a lot of you work in the InfoSec field, which the InfoSec field, they work with a lot of programs. Um, and DNA programs are much different than uh, code programs. So the code programs, what they are is they're defined and they're non-changing. Meanwhile, DNA is constantly changing, constantly evolving. Meaning which things in DNA and things in biology, unlike code, are not always logical. They change, they go by themselves, they pretty much just do whatever they want in order to benefit the organism. Also, experimental time frame is pretty large. If you want to create a DNA function, it takes a couple months. Um, then I also recommend synthesis of genes. So, uh, one moment. So I recommend synthesis of genes. So DNA, yeah. Uh, this is DNA assembly. I'll come back to that later. So this is what you guys probably would be more interested in. Um, how we put this into organisms. So you can create DNA, you can look at it. Uh, if you just Google what you want to create, what you want to make, you'll find results. And then you'll also need to find how to actually put that into organisms. And so I'll focus on how that works. So in bacteria, if you wanted to, let's say, modify a probiotic to create a new chemical that, let's say, enhances your lifespan. Um, they actually have examples of this. I have a friend that's making a company where they put a DNA into an organism, into, let's say, yogurt, yogurt starter, and that DNA will produce a protein, which will then produce a chemical, which helps the body, helps us. Uh, that's the easiest way to modify a human to become enhanced in the DNA form of biohacking. What they would do, essentially, is you open up pores inside of a cell, and then you put DNA in, and then you make the cell take the DNA up. So if you're more interested in just like learning how this works, why you do it, check out Kapil Garvely's stuff. He's a cool dude. Um, this gets more into the questionable side of biohacking of where you can actually modify insects and you can modify fish and plants and you can even modify humans um, in labs. So let's say for the first one, you'll see uh, the green, the green cell. You can, in a DIY bio lab, you can modify plants. And a lot of people do this. And if you go to a local biohacking, uh, a local lab, you'll be able to meet people that do this. And they can go over constructs and see uh, what you specifically would want to do. So for example, Monsanto uses these, you know, big Monsanto evil. Uh, they are an evil corporation. But they do this exact thing of where they put a gene into a plant. And it's very, very simple to do. There are several people that do it literally in their homes. Um, and one of the cool applications of this is Monsanto patents most of their crops, which makes it really inconvenient for farmers. Using this technology, anyone can actually make any strain of plant they want resistant to, let's say, Roundup or for another trait that could be useful. So you can make them resistant to stuff in your own lab, meaning it's 
pretty much free to use. It's open source. Instead of having to use the proprietary Monsanto stuff, which they don't even allow you to breed your crops. They don't allow you to continue your, your strain. With this technology, you can. And I know some people that are working to be able to make open source crops, which could open source GMOs, which would be more helpful for people in the futures, future to come when there's food shortages. Uh, something more controversial, of course, would be modifying humans. So you can, they have technology to modify the genetics of humans right now, but it's very dangerous. Say, for example, if you wanted to modify yourself, you wanted to modify yourself to be resistant to HIV, you wanted to modify yourself to be resistant to a variety of things, to make yourself stronger, smarter. Even though, hypothetically, we do have the technology, it's, it's dangerous. And sometimes this can make your immune system kill any cells you modify within yourself. Uh, there are some some very dangerous things that can happen because of this called cytokine storms. This is how Spanish flu killed so many people in 1920. Killed more people than World War I did itself just because it mucks up your immune system and your immune system will almost guarantee you get mucked up in a home lab if you try and modify yourself. But you can modify your gut. Your gut, as you know, has more... There are more bacteria in your gut than are in your body. And you can modify these to make you resistant to a plethora of different things. In fact, they've even found correlation of where the amount of bacteria or the types of bacteria in your gut will actually be a big deciding factor in your weight uh, and your susceptibility to different diseases. And this itself is actually pretty easily uh, manipulatable. Even in the past, they've used probiotics... Um, in World War II, where they, uh, yeah, they used probiotics in World War II because the Nazis found that some peoples were resistant to uh, a specific disease, and they found out it came from eating camel dung, um, which, I mean, it did cure thousands of their soldiers from the disease, which is pretty good. Uh, you can modify your microbiome, and you can modify bacteria in it using DNA technology which DNA technology will be good more in the next talk. All right, so main portion, home lab. So in a home lab, you need a couple of things. Normally, what you would be doing in your home lab is you want to genetically modify something. You want to modify an organism. And there's certain equipment that you'll need. So uh, as you can imagine, you'll need bacteria, that you want to modify. And you'll also need pipettes which move liquid. The movement of liquid is actually one of the biggest things in biotechnology. Uh, it's sort of like a keyboard um, to use because everything happens in liquid. You also need centrifuge tubes. These are just general things, petri dishes to grow things on. Uh, inoculating loops to inoculate bacteria with. And I'm not affiliated with this company, but the Odin provides very good kits for anyone who wants to begin biohacking with DNA. Um, you can modify, they have kits for like, I think $15 of where you can make bacteria glow in the dark if you want to get started with this. Um, 
So it, it, they're, they're a good company. Uh, the guy has roasted me sometimes on the forums, but he's a good dude overall. Uh, so getting involved, what I would most recommend if you have any idea that you want to modify DNA, you want to work with DNA, go find a biohacking lab. Go find an actual DIY bio, uh, do-it-yourself biology is a term that we usually use, that they have all the equipment there for you to use. Sometimes they'll make you some trivial fees, but it, it's pretty much okay. And then in these labs, you can paste your ideas against some of some PhD students and get pretty much free advice on what you want to do. Um, this is LA Biohackers. There's lots and lots of different, uh, different labs across the country in New York, I, and they do a plethora of different things. So I highly recommend if you want to learn more about DNA, DNA modification, uh, biohacking, check out these guys. All right, so risks and hazards. I kind of went through this faster than I thought. But so, of course, when you're modifying biology, unlike when you're modifying, let's say, computers, it's a lot more dangerous. So, say in a computers, if someone breaks into your facility, they break into, uh, say, your computer, and they take all your information. Well, you can recover that. But if someone breaks into your body with, let's say, a virus and gives you cancer, that has a lot higher cost. I mean, when you're working with biology, it costs people's lives, not just their well-being for the time. So, and even, let's say you take an a sample from the environment, you just take a swab from, let's say, your mouth or your skin, that could hold, you could be amplifying pathogens billions of times within that small little petri dish you have. So, one of the top rules of DIY biology or biohacking in general when working with microorganisms is never ever work with unknown organisms because they can be pathogens. And if you're not trained to specifically know which ones, they could sneak up on you pretty easily. And then if you don't use even sterile technique, everything will be infected, your, your plates. So in InfoSec, you can pretty much have a computer and write code on it and then run it through a couple of times. With DNA and biohacking uh, with synthetic biology, it's much more difficult because say you write a piece of code and you want to put it into your cell, which would be your analogy to your computer. That could become infected with a variety of different things immediately, meaning your code could just not even work immediately after you put it in for no absolute reason other than something floated onto your dish or you coughed on it. So I had some more time, so I'll go back. Uh, to DNA design. I kind of went over this very briefly. So, on DNA design. When you're designing DNA, you have three levels. DNA, RNA, and protein. So, first, you have to look at your DNA level, which your DNA level would be your organism. So, first, you have to find an organism. Um, then, RNA level is terminology, promoters and terminators, and then protein level construct. Uh, 
So central dogma, DNA design. I'll go over a little bit of terminology and then I'll hand it over. Um, a promoter is something that turns DNA into RNA. So a gene expression, gene transcription, that's activated by a promoter. Then RNA to protein isn't really showed here, but if you have a protein sequence that starts with ATG, it'll be turned into a protein. And one other note on designing DNA as functions, proteins can't be modified, meaning you can't modify nature's code. Technically you can, but in reality it takes a PhD student four years, eight years sometimes, to modify one of these things. They're very difficult. So everything that you do will already be in nature. So looking for new, looking for new proteins or new things is difficult. You will, most biohacking will only regulate gene expression, which means how much there, there is. And that can actually do a lot. You can produce biomolecules. Um, there's even ones that are saying they can produce vitamins inside of yeast. So like your beer or your bread actually have vitamins that you need to survive. And then experimental time frame is also very large. So testing can take a long time, one to three months, uh, and you'll need a lot of work that goes into that one to three months. It's not like writing a code where you just sit in front of a computer. You'll need to test this almost every single day to get something through. And that's even for people that know what they're doing. So DNA is fairly hard to work with, but I would say it's worth it. So I think that pretty much ends. Thank you very much. Uh, I could take Q&A or we'll go on to this. Any questions? Modif modification of it or modification against it? No, I haven't so far. Uh, a lot of the pathogenic stuff in it, like, well, I have heard about it a little bit in um, the academia, but so far in biohacking, no. They don't really work with pathogens because if you wanted to stop it and like test stopping it, you would have to have it which makes it dangerous. Okay, so the best source of information would probably be if you just wanted to test an idea, just go post on the DIY bioforms. Uh, that's an easy place. If you want to look at protocols, look at Cathal Garvley's GitHub on biohacking. And if you want to see actual stuff to buy, go on the Odin, and also eat me. Okay. 
So you can get them from online sources. So um, one of my big things is on DNA assembly. So if you want to create a piece of DNA that you'd put into an organism, you first have to, you know, get the entire construct that you need. I highly recommend looking into like Gibson assembly as an alternative to restriction enzymes. It's first of all much much quicker. You can so like in a restriction enzyme, you can put one thing in. With Gibson assembly, I've easily done five in a single day. So I'd recommend Gibson assembly for the restriction enzyme part. Um, but for DNA, yeah, you have to get it online. And a lot of times people don't really, they're kind of against shipping it to people at home. So if you get affiliated with a local biohacking lab, that's great. They'll usually send it to them, um, DNA sequences and such. Otherwise, uh, they probably won't send it to you. Any vendor will probably not send to you. But join a lab, and they will. Gibson assembly. Yeah. Yes. G. Pipettes. Uh, probably the, as I said, the biggest hardware you need is pipettes, so make sure those are good. And then after that, it goes on application specific. So, like, what's one thing you would want to do? All right, so, like, if you wanted to um, perhaps see if you had a gene and amplify it from the environment, you would need a PCR machine, and you would need enzymes, and you would need tubes. So those are three things right off the bat you need. Um, generally, the hardware, as it goes up, it becomes more and more specific per application. These are pretty much the things you'll need for anything. Um, if you'd like to go applica more application-specific, if you ask any local lab, they would definitely give you all the information you need. PCR, what it does is it's called the polymerase chain reaction. And uh, it just uses a cocktail, different enzymes and stuff, to amplify a small segment of DNA from like your genome. And it, it's extremely specific, and it amplifies exponentially. So if you, this is how they get like DNA from someone's hair, or someone's like a, a flake of skin. They can get purified DNA off of it billions of molecules in within an hour. Uh, it's pretty cheap. It's about 20 cents a reaction if you, if you get the rest. Oh, the device? The device you can build yourself, it pretty much just heats and cools stuff. Uh, you can buy it for like 60 bucks off of eBay. Brand new, it costs about ten to $20,000. Yeah, they, the thing about about it is you can use very old things because they never go bad, really, in biotech. And so mine, for example, is from 1991 and it still works perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, the price range is big. Don't buy new.
Yeah, they've been working on technologies to do that. This guy named uh, Nathan McCorkle, uh, I don't know if I spelled that right, he was here last year. He was working on a technology like that, but they're still very, very early in their phases. It'll probably be another 10 to 20 years before that comes out. Um, what? Oh, the question was, how long is it until we get uh, cheap DNA synthesis that you could do yourself? Any other questions? There are machines that can do short at your home, for example, but they produce lots of toxic chemicals. And I mean, if you can get rid of, your to of the toxic chemicals, you can synthesize DNA at your home. Yeah? I do not. It's cheap. At this point, the field has gotten pretty competitive, and so it's cheaper just to buy from suppliers. And it's also faster. Special thanks to the team at the DEF CON Biohacking Village for sharing this recording with us. Now remember, if you're able to make it out to Las Vegas, Nevada for DEF CON in August 2018, it'll be well worth the trip. For the panels and the topics covers are just a small portion of the action. With the activities and networking available with the other attendees is the true payoff. Now, get more information about uh, Biohacking Village, again, go to villageb.io. That is our new website for this year. So take a look at the schedule is up and more information about new uh, exciting new changes this year are on the website now live. So you are loyal listeners. If you'd like to know more about the journey we take weekly, check out the DMP homepage, dangerousminds.io, or go to Facebook forward slash dangerous minds podcast. And please keep in mind that uh, events like these are listed on the DMP Google calendar. And if you have an event that you would like, to add to it, please feel free to email us or send it to us on Facebook, and we'll be glad to add it to it. Now, all of us want to thank you uh, for joining us as we explore further the tech and the people behind it within this fastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, and implantable technology today. If you well, like the programming we share and the work we're doing in the community, please feel free to support us by going to our Patreon page becoming a supporter at www.patreon.com forward slash dangerous minds. Please feel free to reach out to us questions or comments, and perhaps we might one day talk to you about the work and our projects you're exploring and or developing. Until next time, seek the spark. Scientific progression is steamrolling, there's no preventing it going ahead. Now we're intrinsically linked with technology, biology as we know it is dead. <laughs>